0: So this high quality auditory language coming into the brain continuously, that's the number one predictor of good communication skills later in life.
1: Hello, and welcome to the Arts of Language podcast with Andrew Poudois, founder of the Institute for Excellence in Writing Thank you, Julie. (laughs) I know you can't say Happy Father's Day to me because obviously.
0: I was about to, but that's like when you go to the airport and the TSA people say, have a nice flight, and you say, you too. (laughs) Only they're not. (laughs) But it's, you know, it is that kind of natural reaction. So we have to just be more careful about our listening and speaking, maybe.
1: Yes, exactly, exactly. So I know that you have shared many stories of your life growing up with your father and that he read or recited the poetry while your mother read the stories.
0: Yes, yes. I tell that at the end of the Nurturing Competent Communicators Mm -hmm. talk, which is, by the way, for anyone who hasn't heard it, I I do believe that's the most important stuff I know. So if you haven't heard that talk, you know, try and and listen to it because that is foundational. All of the great teaching and everything we do really is going to be a function to what goes into the brain building language database through the primary means of listening to high quality language in your environment continuously, i.e. being read to out loud in huge quantity all through your childhood and teenage years. And then number two, what you memorize, the language that you take into your, your mind and your heart and make fairly permanent part of your active vocabulary, active language use. So Yeah, those two things are just critical. I could talk about them all day. (laughs) And I was a little sad that I didn't get the job as Secretary of Education (laughs) because I was planning, Mm -hmm. if I got the job, to just stump the country continuously for as many years as I could keep the job, let the Washington thing run itself, and I'll just go out and teach parents and teachers about restoring literacy through these two means that really have to happen in the home. Right. And... Mom and dad. I mean, that the, the key to the restoration of a high level of literacy and language skills is going to be the home.
1: You go so far as to say that this is the number one predictor of a good writer.
0: I have a lot of times people come up to me, teachers, parents, a conference, some kind of event, and they'll say things like, you know... I write pretty well. I mean, I think I write pretty well. And I always got A's on my papers. Professors always like my writing. But I don't remember learning how to do it. Mm -hmm. And I'm sure there's some listeners out there right now who would fall into that category. And so how did you learn something you don't remember learning? That's an interesting question. Right. And so I will ask them, oh, well, did your parents, one or both of them, read out loud to you a lot while you were growing up. Right. And eight times out of 10, they'll say, yeah. Yeah, actually, as a matter of fact, come to think of it, my dad read the Reader's Digest every day at dinner mm-hmm. or something like that. Right. And in the, the few times where they don't say, yes, my parents read to me, they'll say, well, I was the oldest sibling and I read out loud to my younger siblings. So this power of auditory language, high quality auditory language coming into the brain on a daily basis. And of course, in the Nurturing Company Communities talk, the whole first part of that, we kind of say, well, kids aren't going to get it from TV and media. They're not going to get it from peers. They're not going to get it necessarily from busy parents and adults unless those busy parents and adults take the time to give it to them. And some kids don't even get good language from books either because they read too fast or they don't read at all. So this high-quality auditory language coming into the brain continuously, that's the number one predictor of good communication skills later in life.
1: So it's not enough just for a child to read to themselves. You expect that the parent or someone, some adult, to read to them.
0: Well, there's two, two reasons as to why that might not be sufficient. It certainly is important. And I don't think any of us would say no children shouldn't read to themselves. (laughs) But there's two things that can happen. And I think that sometimes a certain mentality that independent reading is better. So children reading on their own is somehow better than someone reading to children. I would argue that's not necessarily true. For some children, it's extremely untrue. But here's what happens. If children develop into good readers, and they like to read, and they will read books for their own entertainment or enjoyment, what often happens is they'll choose books that are very exciting, adventuresome, newest, exciting thing, and they'll read them like they watch movies. Mm. So they'll read fast. They see a word they don't know, skip it. See a phrase or an idiom or expression, skip it. See an allusion to something, they don't know what it is, skip it you can skip a lot of things and still get the plot, get the story, get the imagery. So the books are written to be suspenseful, exciting page turners, so the kids read them fast, but they're reading too fast to actually be hearing the complete sentences, especially if they skip words. Mm -hmm. In fact, the speed reading people even say, "If if you're reading so slowly that you hear internally, Each word that you see on the page, you're reading too slow to be speed reading. And so I suppose if you want to speed read, you would do that for the purpose of getting more information faster. But what you're losing there is the beauty of the language, the complete syntax, the inherent grammar that listening to good quality language provides for us. And then in our daily lives, you know, we, we don't make up for that, really. We, we do tend to talk in snippets, and even formal things like presidential debates are very much truncated in terms of their sophistication for 30-second, one-minute things. Compare that with Lincoln-Douglas, right? 150 years ago, you know, people would listen for four hours. The speeches would go on for 20 minutes at a turn, And not only that, it was in an era when it was more eloquent. People had a a richer vocabulary. They were still passionate about their differences of opinion, but they were more complete in their argumentation. I think we've lost a lot of that in the public forum and the media. The other thing that can happen with children when they read books that they want to read and only read books that they want to read is they tend to kind of cap out at a certain comprehension level. So you don't want to read a book that has too many unfamiliar words or things you don't understand. So you'll stick at a certain level, and they'll do lateral shifts. So they'll get independent reading, and everybody's exciting. Ooh, he's reading. Ooh, she's reading. Mm -hmm. And with the young children, maybe it's something like Babysitter's Club or Star Wars or whatever. They can decode these books. They're titillating, and everyone's excited. Wow, they're reading. That's marvelous. They get a little bit older, they have to read books that look like they're written for someone a little bit older. So they'll pick up whatever the current popular thing that's aimed at that level, but it's not necessarily any more complex in its language because authors want to sell books, books need to be readable, and so they'll do that. Then they get a little older into their teenagers, they have to read something that looks like it's written for someone a little bit older, you know, whatever the popular current thing is Twilight or whatever. And after a few years, that goes away and gets replaced by something else. Mm-hmm. And and then they get older and they have to read books that look like they're written for adults, which we would call probably, you know, pulp fiction. Mm-hmm. It's a cheap book. Nobody's going to be reading it 20 years from now. So they use cheap paper. I just, I just learned that's where that term pulp fiction comes from, hmm. is it's It's a book that's essentially disposable, so they use the cheapest kind of paper they can, whereas an heirloom edition Hmm. would be a book that you would expect to keep for generations and pass on and pass on, and so you would use better quality of paper. Right. That's very interesting. I never knew that about Hmm. that term, Paul. Did you know that?
1: I did know that. Oh, you
0: did? Okay, well. (laughs) Sorry. That's because you went to college. (laughs) And have a master's degree, you know a lot.
1: <laughs> and I had a dad who read out loud. Ah.
0: So in any case, those kids do those lateral shifts, and then when you compare, say, an adult popular adult book mm-hmm. with the popular children's book, there's not a lot of difference between the vocabulary and the syntax, just the length. And sometimes the debauchery of that, that is different. So what happens then is a person who does that, just lateral shifts all the way into adulthood, then they pick up a, a classic. They pick up something by Bronte or Dickens or Melville. They read the first few paragraphs and say, I have no clue what that means. Mm-hmm. And they don't have the habit of perseverance through challenging literature, in often case they just don't have the vocabulary to make sense of it so they say well i'm not going to read that i don't know what it means it's boring mm-hmm. it's boring mm-hmm. so it's kind of sad because what we would hope i think is that parents choose to read those books to their children which are actually above their own decoding skills right right so if a child can read star wars to himself great then the dad could read Peter Pan, Mm -hmm. right? And, and And when the child's able to read Peter Pan, then the dad could read Little Men or Little Britches. And when the child can come up to that level, then the dad could read Horatio Hornblower. And so, you know, the parents can read to the children just above their own decoding skills, and that pulls up comprehension, especially when you can talk about What do those words mean? What do those idioms mean? What's this an allusion to? How's this connected with geography or history or whatever? Mm -hmm. And so you actually create reading comprehension when you read with children out loud and talk about what you're reading. And really, the home is traditionally the place that that has been done. I think you experienced that growing up. Yes. I experienced that growing up. But unfortunately, more and more... Because of, I think, the the twin challenges of technology and busyness, both of which are much greater now in the lives of children, children are getting that less and less. And so parents have to be a lot more intentional to say, okay, turn their phone over Mm -hmm. or leave it in the other room, turn off the screens, everybody come, let's read and talk. Also we have to be more intentional about just taking the time to do that. You've probably heard me tell the story. My father, he was an engineer. He did thermal transfer analysis for an aerospace engineering corporation. But he came home every day hmm. between 5:30 th- and 5:40. And if he wasn't home by 5:45, the the world was disordered. Mm-hmm. Something serious had happened. There was a break in the natural order of life. (laughs) Why? Because he left at five Mm -hmm. and he left his work at the office and he came home and he played and had dinner and talked and he was totally present in the home. And that was normal. And I know this is not, this has not been normal in my children's life because I work a lot more than that. And I always have, and part of it's being self-employed. If you work at home, then you're always at work.
1: There's that
0: problem. (laughs) But it's not just that. I know a lot of men, Mm -hmm. the expectation is that you will work 9, 10-hour days. You will work when we need you to work. You will work evenings and weekends if there's something that must be done. And there's this urgency that really can so easily eclipse the family. Mm -hmm. And so I think we, you know, we've got to be on guard for that, and realize that the children will grow up very fast. And I just graduated my last one from high school, and it's a, it, it, it's, a it's a long years of parenting. But then you think, wow, that went by fast. And yes. you know, It's just she was just a kid. Yep. He was just a little boy. She was a little girl, and now she's a mom with two kids of her own, and it happened. Like that, right? So, I always say, none of us dads are going to go to our deathbed and say, "Oh, if I could have just stolen twenty minutes a day from my family, I could die with my inbox empty." (laughs) No, we're going to say the opposite, which is, Mm -hmm. if I just trashed the whole inbox, Mm -hmm. stolen that time and given to my kids when they were with me, the world would be a better place. Mm -hmm. And so, and and I think it's it's a hard time to wrestle with those variables of you know how to be balanced, especially as a father with an important job, community responsibilities, a wife, children, and a little bit of me time as well so that you can do those other things well. It's a hard, hard challenge.
1: Right, right. Well, we do have an opportunity to support our fathers that want to play our little game. We have a, a little contest every year, and we call it Dad is Reading. And you can play that. You can find information about that on our Facebook page if you happen to visit it during this month of June.
0: Da- Dad is Reading. How, how does this contest work? I, well, it's I a little different than remember. the
1: Cheerios challenge, but not much. So <laughs> We're
0: that, not stacking uh, no. books up on the nose of the baby? No, we're okay. not st- <laughs> sleeping babies.
1: <laughs> <laughs> sleeping babies. Maybe osmosis. Right, the right. I
0: used to believe that when I was a kid. That if you slept on a book, it would come into your head while you're sleeping. <laughs> so I used to do that. I put a different volume of the encyclopedia oh. under my pillow every night.
1: <laughs> yeah. Well, you know, we should we should link to your article, Encyclopedia Dad. Maybe that's why you actually know yeah so you much could, about the but it's
0: not true. I don't use them anymore. I just ask my phone like it's everybody tr- else. So <laughs> it's, it's true. It's kind of tragic, but as an artifact of the way it used to.
1: be. Yes. Exactly. Exactly. So our dad's reading contest is simply this. Dad, read to your children, take a picture of yourself doing that, either a selfie or have someone else take that picture. Post that to our Facebook page with the hashtag dad is reading, and we'll choose our favorite pictures and they'll win IEW, an IEW gift certificate.
0: Okay, when you say our favorite pictures, mm-hmm. like how many gift certificates are we giving?
1: Well, actually we're giving away five IEW gift certificates, so our five favorite pictures
0: five favorite pictures, and how much are these gift certificates going to be worth? $50. $50. All right. Get that into the, what is that, a marketing expense, right?
1: (laughs) Yeah, something like that. But
0: we would be delighted to see your pictures and your children listening to you read. And I think Honestly, we should have moms judge the pictures. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah, that's a good idea. I mean, idea. rather than dads judging dads? <laughs> right. Or we could have kids judge the pictures. Yes. Maybe we should try that. Well, anyway, we'll judge them somehow. So they just post it on, on IEW's Facebook page. Mm-hmm. And what if you don't have kids at home? Could you read to your grandchildren?
1: I love that Would idea. Would that be fair? I mean... yes.
0: I mean, if you have grandkids, you you are a dad.
1: Yes, my husband has adult sons now. That would be kind of odd for him to be <laughs> reading to his. Well, children it might at this be point. unique. It would be unique. That would be kind of interesting. It
0: reminds me, though, of uh, my good friend Andrew Kern. Mm-hmm. Someone was asking, "Well, when when should you stop reading to your children?" And he said, "My father was reading to me out loud six months before he died." Oh, uh, yeah. You know, very sweet, the other yeah. thing, and I, I wanted to squeeze this in because. This was one of those moments where, as a dad, you just feel so grateful and happy. It was my adult daughter, Genevieve. Mm-hmm. She was staying at home, but she was in her early 20s. I, I don't remember exactly when she said this, but we were talking in the kitchen. She goes, you know, Dad, when I read on my own, it's kind of like black and white, but when you read to us, it's like color. Mm-hmm. And I thought, ah. Oh. hmm Okay, so theoretically then I could enter this contest by reading to my grandson?
1: (laughs) Theoretically you could, but I'm afraid by association you would be disqualified. Oh, we have that disclaimer, (laughs) no employees (laughs) or families of employees may enter. Exactly. All right, (laughs) We'll, we'll
0: send it out there and hope to see some cute pictures of dads reading to their kids.
1: Yes, sounds great.